see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to the Art Box. Recorded in beautiful Virgin Valley, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, Mesquite, Nevada, and find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com. Hosting today's episode is Rochelle Knight and Steve Dudrow. Let's go have some fun. Welcome to a new episode of The Art Box. This is Steve. Rochelle is on an Alaskan cruise with her mom for her mom's 75th birthday. Rachel Washington, our friend from the Love family that we met through the Love family. Hello. She's agreed to take Rochelle's place. Rachel, a little bit about you. A little bit about me. I've lived in this area. I'm over in Scenic, but I've been in the Mesquite area for a little over a year. We moved here last March, and I'm slowly creeping my way into the community, getting to know people and getting involved in activities and events. Yeah, and I know that a couple weeks ago for the the Saxon, the cat, Mm -hmm. um, you won an award for the best uh, at the art gallery for the the Women's Cultural and History Center. I did, I won first place, and that was extremely humbling. I was looking around at the other artwork, and I'm like, these are incredible, I can't believe I won. Good times, and it was really exciting, and there were so many entries there from the Love family. Yeah, that was really fun to walk into the room and see so many of my friends' names on the board um, of participants. I was like, I'm definitely making the right kind of friends. Yeah. Yeah. And I went around, and and then I missed there's Oh, somebody else was there. I'm like, I missed them. Here we are with Vanessa today at the Learning Center. Thank you, Vanessa, for agreeing to be with us this morning. Absolutely. Thank you for an opportunity to get on here and chat with you guys. Here we are at 3 p.m. and it's 110 degrees or something like that out. Yes, I would not recommend going outside right now. And now I wore pants out of the house and turned right back around and was like, nope, shorts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it is how we can dress, right? Mm-hmm. We don't, we're, not in, we're not in coats and ties or anything or long dresses and gowns and business suits. Yeah. Another thing that I really loved about moving to Mesquite was the warmer weather for more months out of the year. I spent a little bit of time in Utah, so being here, I was like, it's April and I'm in a tank top. This is great. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that is one of the best parts about living where we live is just being able to go outside at pretty much any time of the year and not freeze to death. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. You yeah. see the snow in the mountains, not close exactly. enough to me. <laughs> yeah, there's the snow. It's great, isn't it? And, <laughs> and none of us, do any of us own a snow shovel? No. No, I'm about no. to throw away my scraper. <laughs> <laughs> Don't throw away the scraper. You might have to go to Utah again. Yeah, not for a rainy day, but a snowy day. Vanessa, I heard that you've lived your entire life here. Were you born here? I was born in St. George because that's where the hospital was. And we're back to that point now. That's where everybody's going for their labor and deliveries. The labor and delivery was shut down at Mesa View. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. I was like, what the heck? I know, I think it was just, I, I don't actually know what happened with all of that. Yeah, grew up in Mesquite, went to high school here, involved in the community so my whole life. So you're a bulldog? Bulldog, yep. 
<laughs> and then went up to Dixie, which is now Utah Tech University. I'm super excited about the name change. Got my four-year degree in business administration from there. Moved back to Mesquite, spent a little time in Vegas. My husband is a firefighter here in town, uh, paramedic firefighters. We're really committed to the community and enjoy being here. I have two kids, a four-year-old little a boy, and he just started preschool, so that's really exciting. And he brings home his art projects every day. <laughs> it's so cute. And I bet they're on a refrigerator, right? <laughs> of course. And then I have a two-year-old little girl. We're really busy. I work full-time Monday through Friday at the Mesquite Learning Center, which is where we're at right now. I have my bachelor's in business administration, my master's in library science, and... That is so cool. I didn't know that library science was a master's degree to get. Yep. Yeah. Did you go into school wanting to work, I guess, uh, in public service like that, or what was your vision going in for business administration and then library? Yeah, great question. Business administration was more of, started out kind of as a passion. I just, I'm always thinking about what can I do? What kind of business can I mean, my mind is just going 24-7 with entrepreneurship ideas and, and things like that. I, I just love that. And, and that's kind of why I chose that path. I started working and one of the jobs I had was at Topgolf. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll go to Topgolf and I'll just work my way up. I'll, I'll try it out for a little bit while my, my husband was fit, finishing um, his paramedic degree. You, you drove to Vegas? We lived in Vegas for a little while. Oh, okay. Yep, we lived in Vegas while he was going to CSN and getting his degree. As I'm working there, I realize everyone else that's there also has their degree and a bachelor's degree. And I'm like, holy cow, like, it's just so competitive. And there's just, where am I going to work? I can't make a career here. And I don't want to kind of stay here and not really advance with my career very quickly. So I pretty much was like done with that pretty pretty quick. And we ended up moving back to Mesquite because he got a full-time um, job with the fire department, the city of Mesquite. And when I moved back, I actually worked at Deep Roots Harvest for about a year and I did their inventory control. And yeah, libraries, where did the library come from? The library opened up the new building across the street in 2018. So that was really- It's just, been 2018, huh? May 2018. Wow, time so flies. I was hired in March of 2018, like six months pregnant. Awesome. I was on maternity leave when the grand opening happened, but it was really perfect timing. I never thought about working in a library. And then when I saw that there was a job posting for a computer lab department head, it was perfect. It kind of lined up with my business degree and I knew quite a bit about computers and technology. It was interesting, so I was figured, why not? Why not apply and see where it goes? I really have enjoyed it ever since. I just started and I'm like, well, where? what else could I do? Where can I go from here? In most libraries, you do need a master's in library science to kind of advance. Not always, but it's definitely a step in that direction. So I decided to get my master's in library science okay. and it worked really well. I was just working here, you know, able to study a little bit at work and do things at work. But I did do that while I had my son who was just born and then um, finished up 
a little bit after my daughter was born. So it was a busy time in my life, for sure. But it was super exciting and, and so yeah, now I'm working at the library and I've enjoyed it. So that's why I decided to go and get my master's in it. That's so cool that you have a passion uh, that supports you back like that. You're able to start your family, start your life. and as you're going through different careers, obviously really excited to help support these businesses. You found one that is able to support you back and it's almost like once you found the library, that's just the ending to the perfect story. Definitely, I remember I remember thinking about the interview and I'm like, okay, what do I wear? You know, I'm six months pregnant, you can tell I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. I remember we were, we were shopping my mom, my dad, me, we're all trying to find the right outfit. I can't remember where my husband was, but I found the, this outfit that I thought was perfect. And my dad's like, you look really pregnant. I'm like, well, I am pregnant, right? Naturally. Like, of course. He's like, well, I don't know. And first I kind of was like upset. I'm like, well, of course, like they're not going to they're gonna hire me like Mm -hmm. who cares if you're pregnant right it should be that way it should Uh but he was like it's not always that way so think about it so I found another shirt that was perfect for an interview and Mm -hmm. not that it didn't make me look not pregnant but it was just more I looked more discreet Mm -hmm. yeah the art of finding the right outfit right (laughs) I try to be a little tougher (laughs) so I went into my interview and I don't think they knew I was pregnant I felt kind of bad about it, but at the same time, I felt like if I would have disclosed that information, I may have not got the job. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, I don't know. Um, working for the library district now, like I know a lot more about how um, the library district operates, and they're amazing people, and our HR department is wonderful. So I feel very confident that it would it wouldn't have changed the outcome in this specific industry and and for the company I work for. So that's really comforting. I realized they support us in so many ways that align with having the work-life balance, the family life balance, because it's such an important part of, for me right now, having two young kids and a husband working full-time, trying to f- find how that all fits together and knowing that I was supported through my maternity leave and when my kids are sick or any of anything that comes up. They're great that way. That's incredible. It makes you fall in love with the library a little bit more. They're not just enriching the community, but enriching their employees too. Mm -hmm. And employer versus employee relationships so important. Exactly. Yeah, I agree 100%. After hearing this, don't you love the library just a little bit more? (laughs) I'm always trying to run away to the library, not only for the air conditioning, but (laughs) (laughs) for all of the cool resources. Yeah, and you know, when I was a kid, the library wasn't something that I... I I didn't spend a lot of time in the library and I'm just so glad like that I found it even though it was a little bit later on in life and I did I mean I came to the library as a kid on and off but I never really realized the value of it until I really started working in the library Mm -hmm. system. Talking about that I, I guess it makes me think just now I hadn't planned this question I can go on Google now so I don't have to go to the library. What does the library do to bring me, Steve, back into the library? So you specifically versus just the the general, everybody else. Everybody's no. needs are different, right? And some people really still struggle with getting on the computers and connecting to, to Google and, and taking that next step or doing an online order, DMV. When we, during the pandemic, when we were... Re- 
when it was required that people would go on and register for an appointment to get their vaccine. I mean, that process was so stressful for our seniors community. I mean, we were like their first resource. Like, I remember somebody in tears asking, like, help me get... They didn't have a daughter that could jump on and be the first to register. They really relied on us. For those, for specific people, it's it's kind of like a no-brainer. We really connect them in ways that they just haven't had an opportunity to learn and and we help them through it. We we provide classes and and we just kind of walk them through that process. Somebody that already knows how to use a computer or that's that thinks they don't need the library, right? Well, there's so many ways that the library has services that they could use and in a lot of ways they might not need to come into the library, but they still should have a library card because with their library card, it gives them access to e-resources that you can go on. Instead of just going to Google and typing in a question, you can go to one of our databases that have like the scholarly journals that you know are accurate information, not just somebody's personal opinions. You can do a little bit more research and find great resources that normally would cost money, but with your library card, they're completely free. We have e-books, audio books, movies, tutoring for kids, which is through BrainFuse. You just need a library card, you can get on there. There's some great resources for artists. The Great Courses, which is through our Libby app. They specifically have a whole session on how to paint, and it just walks you through like tutorial after tutorial. And normally those would cost and they'd be very expensive. We help people that if they can't figure it out or they don't know about it, just connecting them to those type of resources. And I see you all you and your staff back here helping people on the computers. Oh yeah, all the time. We really specialize in one-on-one help in uh, at the Mesquite Learning Center. We're able to do to do that. Some libraries just have so much volume. Their computers are just go, go, go. So they can't really sit down sometimes and spend that one-on-one time. We, we are able to give that one-on-one time. So we take appointments and we sit down with people and there are certain limitations, certain things we can't do, but for the most part, we can help people through just about anything. I mean, during the pandemic, there was someone from Canada who couldn't get back to Canada. I mean, he was in his 80s. He had to book a hotel and only stay at certain hotels so he could quarantine. Then he had to register his vaccine. And I mean, the list just went on and on. And it was so challenging booking those tickets and getting to even Hawaii. I mean, not even leaving the United States, but it was really challenging for people that if they wouldn't have had a resource like us, they would have eventually figured it out. I'm sure they could have gone to another library or somewhere. You know, they would have found somebody, but we were we were able to help them with that. Really helpful and life-changing for a lot of people. Value added. Absolutely. I did have a question about resources while we're talking about them. Um, okay. Working at the library, is there something that Ms. Geet or Clark County Library offers uh, that you wish people took more advantage of or that you wish pe- more people knew about? There are so many things. Even as a staff of the library, I'm like, holy cow, you know, I'll get on and look at our e-resources and there's just so much mm-hmm. that we offer. Like, it's just endless. It blows my mind. Specifically, one that's really popular that a lot of people take advantage of, but still a lot of people don't know about is Libby, which is an app that you can download books, you can download 
audiobooks, ebooks, movies. They have an extra section now, which is where you can get the great courses, and there's an artist works section in there. There's a lot of different things in that extra section. That's one that's really popular. So if you don't know about it and you are currently purchasing ebooks or audiobooks, that would be a great option to get a library card. And you don't even have to um, come into the library now to get any uh, to get a library card. You can go on our website and get an e-card and access all of the electronic resources with that. Ways to use the library without having drive without having to drive down. Yes. Yeah, that was a, a huge initiative up there is during the library while we were closed. And just in general, like you said, you live in scenic. And for a while, there were our out-of-state residents weren't able to access our e-resources. Not every library offers resources to out-of-state residents, and we do. It's just with your library card that you log into Libby then, right? Like you yeah. just download the public library onto your phone and interact mm -hmm. with it as often as you would if you were right next door. Exactly. I mean, with your library card, you also have access to um, Printer, Printer On is an app that you can access our printers from home. So you can oh. send prints to the library during normal business hours from 10 to 7. If you don't come and pick them up or send them during that time, they, they'll get lost in the queue and you'll have to redo it the next day. It's kind of nice when you're working at home and if you don't have a printer or or whatever the reason is or you're you're out of town or on, in vacation, on vacation, you can log in and send things to the printer that way and then go and pick them up. That so. is awesome to remotely print. I know that we were using that service from the library most often when we first moved here. We needed like deeds printed out or documents for the mortgage and stuff like that where my printer is still packed up in a box. I'm like waving my library card like, guess what we can do? <laughs> no, it is, it is so true. And we have so many people that use the library for like when they go to the DMV, the DMV is like, oh, you don't have this, go to the library. <laughs> We've realized that they refer a lot of people to us and we're able to help them. Same with, we just had somebody that needed help fill out a lease agreement or something to do with their lease and they were like, go to the library, they can help you. Awesome when other resources in the community refer people to come to the library because we are such a great resource, it's free and we're usually able to help or connect them to somebody that can help them. Mm -hmm. So I love that about the library is just it's free and it's open to the public. Everybody should have a library card. And if you don't and you just want to come in and use the space, that's the other thing. There's free Wi-Fi and study rooms. Mm -hmm. There's our, We have our adult maker space, which is where anybody can come and just start creating. Um, use our Cricut machine, which is... It's like a little machine that can cut intricate cuts out. It can draw. They can do all kinds of fun stuff. How do you sign up to use things like this? Do you just go up to the front desk and like schedule an appointment? Yes. When if you want to use it independently, you'll just show up to just basically come to the learning center and let them know, "Hey, like I I'd, I'd like to use the space." You could just sit down and start working on it. But if you need help with it, like if you've never used a Cricut machine and you just need some help for with the first startup of it then we can offer we offer one-on-one -on -one sessions we'll make an appointment we'll sit with you and we'll go through just basically how the machine works and we'll do a project together and then from there you we can continue to do one-on-ones until you feel confident or you're more than welcome to just come use it independently 
That is so encouraging. Yeah, can I ask what a cricket machine is? <laughs> oh, yeah. So let me think of how the best explanation. <laughs> that's not that's not your three D printer. No, it is not okay. the three D because you got a three D printer here. Yes, we do. Totally yes, we can talk about the three D printer too. Um, yeah, Vanessa, can you make me a steak so I can take home? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, like, no, no yeah, 3D printer doesn't do steaks. It's, I'm sure there are, is, are food printers out there. We just don't have them here. <laughs> the Cricut machine is is basically like this little machine <laughs> or a big machine. There's a couple different sizes, and it uses a software, a Cricut design, design space software, so you can design, put your name on, on the on the Cricut design space, so write out your name, and then it'll it talks to the machine and cuts out your name for you. you cut it out in vinyl or paper. I mean, it does embossing cuts. Like if you're going to make custom cards, it'll cut out the cards for you, the different shapes. It basically uses its SVGs is what the file type is. It's an SVG file, and and it communicates with the machine and kind of does the intricate type work for you i'll have to show it to you yeah and, <laughs> and, and we give you a, i don't know whether you've seen that, that we do a page for everybody yes so we can put you know, the links that you want and we should get a picture of the cricket machine oh, yeah have like an upload space okay to show yeah. the people what you're talking about yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we should definitely include that um, which that's so funny because that's how you can tell it's crafting people talking or we're like oh yeah cricket that's amazing oh so you knew about that <laughs> oh yeah a cricket machine it'll do like vinyls or um, anything that it's not embroidery like stickers or like you were saying paper mm -hmm. i didn't realize it did embossing so that was really fun to hear about but yeah a cricket for a crafter is similar to a big juicy steak i'm so dumb <laughs> It's what did my shirt. Uh, oh, so that's what the, and you know, I almost wore my, my love family oh, shirt today. Oh, we could have today. been twins. <laughs> yes. yes, well, today is the start of our new, our rebranding of the library website. It is thelibrarydistrict.org. So we're all wearing our new shirts. I love my library. There are new, new designs for our library cards. If you don't have a library card, you can come get a new, uh, you can come get a library card. Or if you want the new design, you can change your library card to the new design. Well, I want the new design. Right? I know. I want it too. I want it too. That's so it exciting. It is pretty cool. Because Rachel lives in scenic Arizona. And for those of our listeners who are not local, we are right on the border with Arizona. Mm -hmm. And of course, moving here, I think of Arizona as Tucson. We're far away from Tucson, yet Arizona's right here. What are those people in Arizona? What did they do? Now, uh, evidently, you said they can get a Mesquite, a Clark County library card. Yes. I believe that they also have their own bookmobile that stops in Scenic and Littlefield on like a monthly basis. They can use our library just like our residents can use our library. Is that pretty recent? I remember when I first moved here, I tried to do something at the library, and they had told me, in a couple months here, we're going to have full full resources available to you guys. Was that something yeah. that just recently changed? Yes. It, I can't remember exactly when, but it's definitely been a recent change. Our new director, it was kind of... He, he kind of brought about that change and made it happen quicker. It's really exciting to, to be able to offer that, just because there was nothing worse than having somebody that just... 10 minutes away and saying you can do everything but we, you can't do this let me see if I can help you do it through your library system with Mojave County 
which we were able to do and we would do that you know we would figure out ways that we could still help them by using the resources that were available to them you guys are superstars for that like a librarian will flex their resources like an acrobat to be able to help somebody (laughs) that comes to their desk absolutely we love to do that it's actually really fun when we figure (laughs) something out or when they come through the door and if they couldn't figure it out and we were able to or we all get together and call each other like what are your ideas what could we do and we all work together (laughs) yeah it's so fun and they leave with a smile yes as a patron it makes you feel really special like yes i got the village on it and it got done (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot of fun The 3D pens are, so basically we started an adult maker space in the learning center. I had to submit a proposal to get approval to do all this. It was totally worth it. It's been a lot of fun to be able to offer more than just the computer lab and the study rooms in the learning center and really open up the adult maker space. Our 3D pens have been a lot of fun. When you think about 3D pens, It's something that you kind of think that kids would be into and not so much adults, but uh, the adults have loved it. We offer a monthly class and basically it's just like coloring in 3D. Like if you can picture yourself coloring and it reminds me of like a hot glue gun, like how you feed the, the glue down in and it just melts, reaches that right temperature. You feed filament, which we use plastic PLA filament, feed it down into this little pen that looks kind of like a glue gun and you can basically just color in 3d and you can switch out your switch out colors you can do different things we we've done one on a canvas where the person just kind of did an outline of a drawing and then just colored in the lines we've also done 3d type stuff with with the machine as well where we made a box four sides then we put them all together and turned it into like a little pencil holder but it's really fun. You'll have to check it out and see how it looks if you can't envision it in your head. We'll attach some photos so you can take a look at it. Like somebody that is really great at art and drawing, I would love to see what they could do with a 3D pen. I think it would be awesome just to see how it could come to life. We haven't had, I mean, we've had people just kind of come in here and color, but you know, somebody that's really just great freehand at drawing and knows what colors to use together and just, they could probably make something so awesome. Someone and to come love in and maestro the plastic. Yes. <laughs> I think we need to send Tyler and Christine Pishore over here because they are both amazing artists. We should. I would love to see that. Like, and just get their opinion on it, you know, and see maybe it's, maybe it's not as, maybe it's a lot harder to really work with the pen and it'd be a lot of fun just to see what could be done with it. And when you look up, like when you try to start searching and seeing what's available with the 3D pen, what people are doing, a lot of it is focused around kids and and just starting to learn about 3D objects and just kind of getting creative with it. But I do think that there's like this opportunity to see what it could do in the art space. It'd be a lot of fun. And I think for adults and for children, so as you know, at the gallery, we have our exhibition competitions, and maybe, maybe we ought to sit down and look at those competitions coming up next year and, and see what would fit 
and have some because kids can enter kids can join the art gallery for free okay that would be a lot of fun so maybe we want to start getting some entries we should definitely talk about that yeah challenges and creativity from the community members yeah yeah yes Get them into the library and using, you know, the resources that are available to them free. And and not just bringing our people over here, but I think some of the your clients here. Yeah. Is it okay that I call them clients? Customers. Customers. Mm-hmm. They can start moving over to the art gallery with the things that you made here that are unique. Yeah, I agree. That would be a lot of fun. So glad we're having this conversation yes. right now. Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's do that. And we won't forget it because it's going to be on tape. Exactly. <laughs> but something so incredible about the library is whether it's, in, whether it's in books or in projects, you're able to sort of uncover something about yourself without a whole lot of initial investment. Like you're not going out and buying a 3D pen or buying a 3D printer or buying a Cricut machine to find out if you're even good at these things. You can sort of work with the people that are doing these demonstrations and learn off of each other. And a lot of it, that is the whole idea. And some people just couldn't afford it, you know, (laughs) even if they wanted to, just because some of that equipment is super expensive. 3D printers, I mean, you can get your basic 3D printer for, you know, a couple hundred bucks, but they get up into the thousands really quick. To be able to, I mean, we've had people use our 3D printers and have done prototypes on them for their business and, and for the different products, just to test it out, see how it looks see what works, what doesn't, and then they can take it further and go get it made mass production or in a different type of product. It's really cool just to have the opportunity and the fact that it's free. Some libraries do charge a little bit and they probably need to, but our library has really decided that because of the educational aspect to it and the value that our customers are able to get from it, they want to offer it for free. Uh, we do focus on the adults with the 3D um, printers, but we have so many kids that are so interested in 3D printing. I love that. Yeah, we had some the other day, and I was just like, so what do you want to know? And he's like, I don't even know, but 3D <laughs> printers are just so cool. I'm like, you teach me everything. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. They are cool. Sometimes, you know, you, you start thinking about it, and you just overcomplicate it. And I'm like, oh, what can I teach them? And how do I make this all about learning? And, and I'm like, the 3D printers are just cool. They just... They just speak for themselves. I don't have to do anything, you know, just let them kind of mess with it and see what it's capable of because it all start like a lot of the foundations just start with the basics and build off of that and go into so many other industries. We talk about that in our 3D printing class in 3D print homes, a lot of dentist office offices when I went in and got my retainer I'm like where's the mold you know that I need to bite down on to so I can get the mold for my retainer and he's Mm -hmm. like I already took a picture of it I just took this little picture with with a 3d whatever it was you know took a bunch of pictures and he's like that's way more accurate than a mold would ever be and now he's like and now I have it on file and I'll just ship you one out whenever you lose it that is incredible yeah a couple months later I lost my son threw my retainer away I'm like, where's my retainer? He's like, oh, I threw it in the garbage. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just like, hey, can I get another retainer? It's like, yeah, absolutely, super easy. But it's like that technology and the way it's created is all through those same basics and, and the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. So we're just trying to introduce that and, and build off of that. Right, because that's crazy how many different industries a 3D printer would be applicable to. Like whether you're an entrepreneur or a dentist or a child, it's something that you yeah, can Yeah, architecture, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't know if you know much about NFTs. Do you know much about NFTs? Uh, as much as anyone else that scrolls the internet too much. <laughs> <laughs> right? I've seen the monkey, but I don't know too. I've even watched some videos trying to explain it, but not having the tangible product is something that I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around still. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. And I'm still trying to figure it out too. That's why I was curious if, if you know. So NFTs, they're not, for those listening that don't know what they are, we, I know enough to say the basics. They're non-fungible tokens. And basically they give like a physical artwork, right? Like a physical painting could get a unique, it, it would give value to, right, to that to that artwork. It would provide it with like a something unique that, basically says this is the legit painting. Or if it's a digital painting, you know, if they create it on a, like a digital piece of artwork, that you know that that's original because it has a unique identifier that goes along with that, that painting. So you know that you're getting the original and somebody didn't just right click and save it to their computer and start be able to use it that way. But I think that also like kind of ties in with 3D printing and, and that CAD and the technology and just using that, you know, understanding that other side um, and the computers and the way they all tie together. But yeah, it is where the job industry is heading. Let's go back to NFTs again, because with my artwork is I, I create a, a COA, a cert certificate of authenticity, and I tape to the back of it and I like say one of one one or two, whatever. Where does the NFT go? It's, Is it something that gets taped or put on the... As Basically, there's only one of them. Like, it's it's in a digital form. So it could be like on a flash drive or it could be on a computer. But basically, when you sell that, the physical painting, that goes with it. So it could be a barcode. But there would only be... I don't think it could be a barcode. I think... I don't know enough to be talking about it really, but I do. Do you know have any? I'm listening to learn more. I'm thinking because I know that it can be an image, but I don't. I'm trying to equate it in my head to like Microsoft products and how it'll have like that signature, like Rachel Washington created the document. Even if somebody else were to like edit it or pass it around, it would be that like original source data. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that an NFT kind of sits, fits in that space where the first person that created the file can sell like that origin of the file, but it's, if it's ever been saved again or copied, then that's sort of uh, what the sale protects against. Is that even close? Yeah, I, th I think that kind of goes along with what I've been learning about them because I spent a little time like looking at looking at them. I went to Washington, D.C. for the library, I went to American Library Association. And while I was there, I went to like this digital art. I can't remember the name of, uh, of it, but it was like you go in and they're just screens and everything is digital art. And there's like this little QR code and it's like scan here to purchase this NFT. So basically you own, you could, you could purchase that piece of art in its digital form. But it, the way that it works for physical, I think is like, so you have that physical item and then you have your NFT that goes along with it, which is a un, unique like identifier. But I, I don't think it's like a barcode or anything like that. You, it, it's in the phone or in, on your computer. So when you sell your art, you, you can make more than one like NFT for it. Like it would be one, two, three. And then when they purchase it, they get that with it. They, you would send that to them. 
It would be okay. like in a digital wallet or something like that. Okay. Yeah, Disney is quaking in their boots for the future of NFTs because they're like one of the bigger copyright people, whereas this one uh, just makes that market a little tighter from what I understand, right? Either way, I can't wait until 30 years in the future where we listen back to the podcast and we're like, oh, you were so wrong. (laughs) (laughs) We have no idea what we're talking about right now. I just wanted to bring it up because I'm like, maybe I knew a little bit more about it. And I don't know, like, yeah, in 30 years, we're going to know a lot more. We're going to see how, oh, that's how they work. And that's so much more simple than we were thinking about it. But, and maybe it won't be anything. Maybe it's just kind of like a a fad you know like just something that's being talked about that really isn't necessary and won't really play out in the future guess we'll see well, yeah it's what what's next what's going to blow our minds that we wouldn't even think about i can't wait to see yeah. <laughs> i know we were just talking our my branch manager and i were just talking about esports and i'm like i need to learn more about esports because i feel like esports are going to be that thing that is like my parents and texting, you know, like they know texting now and they know all about it or, or Facebook and Instagram. But I mean, we grew up in it and with it. So it just happened. We just learned it as it came out. They kind of went back and learned it. And I feel like if I don't stay up with esports, I'm going to be so confused because it's, it's a huge thing right now. Mm-hmm. Do you know much about esports? No, I don't. <laughs> Is yeah. video gaming? Yeah, it's like electronic, yeah, video gaming, esports. Like, I think you go on and watch people play, like, video games, but it's, it's like, a huge thing. You're seeing them in libraries now. You're seeing them in Steam centers, at universities. That's it's just like, crazy. And see, my takeaway is how cutting edge of the library. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying. We're trying. You mean, you mean that place to just you get books out of? and <laughs> I know the libraries have transformed so much just like any business you know that really wants to stay relevant in the future you kind of have to adapt to the needs and wants of the community and so we're definitely trying to to make sure we stay up on those trends and and stay relevant yeah Yeah, i'm amazed just sitting here now you mentioned steam center and and you and i talked a little bit about it today because we're going to try to get george galt who's the councilman who's um heading the steam center on a podcast and, and it's so exciting but I just wonder the people at, at the art gallery and the people at the library worry that the steam center is treading on our on our work treading on our turf are they going to take our people away <laughs> right I think that's how it always is and and really it's just about I think developing a partnership with each other so that we complement what we're working on and we're working towards the same goals and we're trying not to duplicate services too much but i think there's a need for a steam center in our community and really our students and our community deserve that i don't necessarily think that we're going to be clashing but i do think there's going to be an opportunity for us to make sure we're working really closely together to build off of each other and to make sure that we're headed in the same direction and how can we do that? So our branch manager works really closely with the STEAM Center. And she, we even have a little area in the STEAM Center, like a living room in the, when you first walk in, that has access to all of our e-resources that, with QR codes, so students that go in there. Like, it's a huge part to, to the STEAM Center is the library. We have a couple other things that are gonna be coming that 
the library is going to provide um, some different technology and some different things like that. We might even do a, a program over in their building and maybe they'll come over and do a program in ours. We're just across the street from each other, but still it is about introducing students and the community to both sides because there is a need and, and I, th I think we're different enough though that we'll get along very well. Yeah, there's exciting things happening in this little town. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that partnership definitely proves how important the education and the enrichment is over how many people you can get in the building. Definitely, definitely. We, I'm, I'm way excited to see, you know, what they do with that, with the STEAM Center. Having two kids that are growing up in this community, I mean, that's so important to me, you know, no matter what, when it comes down to it, it's just them being able to grow up in a community that has access to all the best yeah, resources and yeah it's a small it's a small town so we don't have the bigger cities have there's pros and cons you know to wherever you live but it's awesome to see our community have different things for youth and and that are focused on education and technology are i mean and that's what steam is awesome because they didn't leave out the A, you know? Which, that is yeah. such an important part to STEAM. Would you mind talking for just a second about uh, what STEAM stands for and the differences, or the difference between STEM and STEAM? So STEAM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Art, and Math. And so STEM leaves out art. It is just Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. <laughs> yeah, so Not it's kind of like boring, really. <laughs> you need the A. It's really exciting just to to know that that is what's important to our community. And I think we have so many amazing artists and art is a big thing in Mesquite. It, it's huge. We have so many local artists and local talent here that I would think that there would be an opportunity for artists and, and to work together with the STEAM Center, bring some cool ideas and bring some classes to the youth. Yeah, this is all of those uh groups sort of play off of each other. I've never, um, yeah. I've noticed how many different times someone will have a painting or an incredible piece of artwork that's based off of the local plants or the cactuses. And I'm like, oh, you're a little botanist. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, you've been living in this area for quite a while. Is there anything that, uh, is like a local favorite of yours, things that you like to do in the Mesquite Beaver Dam area? I think like any small town or just just towns in general, I love, and it's not really like a secret or anything, but like Mesquite Days. Mesquite Days has like come and gone with like, I remember at different points when it was like the best thing ever, then it went through a phase of like, oh, it's not that great. And I think Mesquite Days, Mesquite Night Out, some of those like bigger events that <laughs> communities get known for, I, I love I love that about a town. I like to see that happening in Mesquite. There's some exciting things going on. I, there's the Be Brave Gymnastics. I don't know if you know much about that, but I remember when I was in high school, it's pretty uncommon for very many people to have like a back handspring or a backflip or anything like that, any cheerleaders or dancers. I don't know if you've been to the parades lately, which is another thing I love about Mesquite. I think we do some pretty ph phenomenal parades. But the Be Brave Gymnastics, like almost every single girl out there from or kid from ages three up is flipping and doing all these crazy things. I think it's just awesome to see 
that we have something available to the kids here, sports related, that they can go and and learn a skill like that. A lot of times you see successful gymnastics and tumbling places in bigger cities. I think we're starting to develop some of those those things that you would normally see in big cities and we're still kind of a smaller town. It's cool to have it and still get the small town vibe. Yeah, our version of it that still brings the entire community out. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is really yeah. fun. Yeah. Turning toward the future, excites you about the library. I think just in general with libraries, it's the direction that we're headed and that we are focused on being a library of the future. And what does that look like? And we're constantly thinking about that and making sure that we're, we're headed in that direction. In some of the ways, by offering 3D printing, it's by offering toys, you know, that can be checked out. There's a whole toy library. You, People can come grab, you know, a laminate sheet that shows like what's in this package. They take it up to the front. The librarian goes and grabs a bag of toys and they can take it home and check it out for three weeks. There's dolls that can be checked out. Just community and, and it's wow. Yeah. I didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to get a kid into the library before and now you just have to tell them, go check out some toys. <laughs> yeah, and how cool is that? You know, I mean, it's a little stressful to take a bunch of toys home and keep them all together, you know, <laughs> so you can bring them back in three weeks. And then just our cafe. I think our cafe is awesome. A lot of libraries don't have cafes. And the fact we have one is amazing, and the fact that it's so successful, I love that. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you, you bring new ideas to a library and they don't always work out like you plan. Like any business, you'll, you know, you bring something new and you just, sometimes you don't know how it's gonna go. The fact that our cafe is really successful and brings a lot of people into the library. Libraries as a place to come and hang out and chat and bring creative, programs into the into the library that's huge and partnerships I think that's really libraries are really headed towards creating like this community space where people can come and be themselves and learn as a group learn individually uh, access the library from home mm -hmm. and being able to rely on a librarian to give good information if you're struggling or you're a student or you want to know more about something like rely on the librarian to help you out. Yeah, it's not like the old stereotype where you go to the library and they're shh. Yeah. It's you go to the library and they're excited to meet you and what are you working on? How can we help? Yeah, first, you know, when the library first opened, it was like, oh, it's so loud over there. And we're like, well, come over to the learning center, you know? It doesn't mean it's going to be quiet, but it's, it's a little bit quiet over here. We kind of focus on the adults, but just in general, that was the idea is that libraries are really just not a place to go and be super quiet. It's like a place to go learn, explore. I'm actually working on a book that I'm probably gonna, like a story for, for my son who like is just so obsessed with octopuses right now. So I decided to write a little children's story for him. And it's, it's about the library and not just about the library and going to the library and, and books. It's about the library and 3D printers and the technology because it is, and it's still about books, it is. It, books are a super important part, but I feel like if you introduce the library and all of the fun and the toys, the books kind of just sneak their way in there, you know, mm -hmm. and they become an important part. And if they don't, that's okay, but they still have the library to fall back on and, and to have a part of their life. 
No, I totally agree because some people will look at library or look at books in general as, oh, just a story or a fairy tale or a little bit antiquated, but resources and reference materials are so important and you won't have the reason to look for the reference materials until you're actively doing the thing and have a question. Exactly. And a lot of the blogs that you read online, they read a book to get that information. Yep. Most all of the information we know, you know, eventually it does become kind of our own information when we've heard it from so many people and read it in so many books. But still, it, it usually comes from somewhere and it, a lot of your great ideas and different things come from other people's ideas and you kind of mesh them in with your own. And But you just never know where it's going to take you. I think there are just... We're doing, a, okay, to switch gears, <laughs> we're doing a conversational English class. It's something that our community has wanted for a really long time. And it's always been about finding the right instructor and getting the partnership and just getting everything in line. There's some things that have to be done in order to make it happen. We found somebody that wanted to teach the class. He gave us a call. We got it all approved. The library bought the books, did everything. And he called me, he's like, oh, shoot, all the people that I was hoping would come to the class have moved. So I don't know if we'll still have an interest. And I'm like, he's like, but I hope we do and let's try it. And so we rolled it out and we got some flyers made, started promoting it in the community. And we didn't have a whole lot of interest. Well, then I took flyers to a bunch of businesses. The city of Mesquite posted it on their social page. The rec center posted it on their social page. I just kind of took it everywhere. And our wait, our whole list is full and we have a waiting list. So it's like just finding those unique, you know, and those community needs, the people are there. That's where libraries are gonna be so important. It's just making sure that they find out what the community needs and then providing those services that align with that. Yeah, that give and take with the community and the library is so phenomenal where the programs that you offer or the materials that you offer will oftentimes be uh, kind of like a store where California has more swimsuits and the North has more winter gear. Your library has things for your community specifically and that's so cool. Yeah, it it's a great thing and I think that's what it's made it so successful. Judy uh, Sargent is Judith Sargent is a branch manager out here, and she's been with this library for a long time. I mean, she was in this building when it was just like when it didn't even include the addition in the back. Then the addition came, and then our programs and everything were so successful that they opened up a whole li you know a library across the street. But I don't think that would have happened just because the community grew. Mm -hmm. The community growing wasn't a result of the library getting an addition across the street. It was because the programs were successful, they were listening to the wants of the, and needs of the community, and they were being proactive. That's really what made the library across the street happen. It could have been a sleepy library that, you know, just kind of always was quiet and a, a, a place to go and read the newspaper and grab a book. But that's not what she wanted, and that's not what well, she kind of worked with the, her staff to make happen. I mean, that's why the, the library is across the street. Judy has done phenomenal things for the library in Mesquite, and it definitely wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for that hard work that she put in. I'm not saying that somebody else wouldn't have come and done the same thing, but still, it just shows that libraries that are kind of these small little and small little communities if you get the right person with the right idea and the passion behind it, they can really do a lot for the community. Yeah, what a vision she must have had. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she still has, like, a vision, and she's going to retire in three years. And I'm like, that's amazing. Oh, no. Who, like, goes that long in your career and is still just so passionate and, you know, puts in the work every single day? A lot of times you get towards the end and you're kind of getting tired and just ready for the next chapter in life. But, no, she really, she she loves it, and, and she's great at it. I think she's an awesome boss, so I just had to give her a little shout-out. <laughs> that's, that's exciting fun. to have her in that role. Yes. your kids surprised you? What's something that they've picked up in a book where you're like, oh, wow, I would have never even introduced that to you? Well, lately we're talking about octopuses and learning about them and how octopuses have three hearts and nine brains. And it's just kind of funny how when he, when my son's really interested in something, how he picks up on those random facts. And I'm like, I love that. It, it was just kind of, my husband's like, oh, I actually knew that. I'm like, how did you know that? Is that like something I should have known about octopuses? And <laughs> Missed that day in school. <laughs> like, I do not know. Well, he probably needed to know that just in case he ran across an octopus that was having a heart attack. <laughs> he needs to check in three spots. Yeah. <laughs> We, we have to figure out which one you're having a hard exactly. time. Exactly. That probably oh. does add so much to someone's creativity. I mean, I wouldn't, I am probably like you and can't wait to see how these things turn out into his personality later on. But that sort of like hunger for interest and facts and things must be a really cool character building for your son. Yeah, definitely. And you know, as the other thing that I've been doing, like especially recently, like knowing that I was going to be on this podcast was like really paying attention to the artwork of the children's books and how powerful it is. And like I read this uh, book the other day and it's, what was the title? Most Perfect Me, I think is what it was. And there's this part that just stood out to me and it was with the artwork and it the the story was talking about how she picked out the, her daughter's skin color and she was like so I saw a rainbow of all the different skin colors and then I picked the one that you have you know I picked the most perfect one for you and she goes through and talks about how the, her daughter is perfect and it's because of all the things that she wanted for her daughter you know so if she ever had a problem she should talk to her she should talk to her mom because her mom was the one who did all these things and 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 so but I just remember that rainbow, and I was like, you know, it, those are the artwork is so powerful, especially for kids in children's books, because the words are really important. And it's like, but if you take away, a lot of times if you take away that artwork and you're just trying to read them the story, like, they won't even know, you know, they won't be paying attention, they won't get half of the words, so it's super powerful. But I just love, like, I'll never forget that page, you know, and how the artist, like, made that all come together. Yeah. But... What a great contribution to the overall message. Because you're right, having a child uh, imagine something from scratch is difficult, but having those visual cues to sort of guide them along is as stimulating as a cartoon sometimes, but really adds to the more powerful message of a book. Yeah, and then they get to use their imagination too. Like they have an idea, but they can, you know, envision it and then add to it. And I mean, I can't think of all the things my son's said and done you know, recently, or even my daughter who's two and she's just jabbering up a storm right now. But there's so many things that they say and do that just catch me off guard, you know? <laughs> and you just have to be so careful what you say around them right now too, because they're little sponges and it's like, they're gonna take everything you say and they're <laughs> gonna say it too. 
You have so much fun ahead of you. <laughs> oh, it's fun. There are so many children's books in the world, Cal. There still needs to be more. I'm noticing in 2022 there's some that have been released that are for the kids of today, but I'm wishing they were around when I was younger, like uh, more books about acceptance or people with different hair types or different with people people with different family types or um, so much diversity in the books where when I was younger it was cute, but it wasn't that in-depth. <laughs> I know. I love, like, I just love having that for my son because it's so important to talk about it and read it and and see it in a book. And I mean, you see it more in movies and in you know cartoons and stuff too, which is amazing because really, if, if you grow up in a small town and you don't have much diversity going on or you're not going to get, you're not gonna know much about it. And your first experience with it is, who knows what it's going to be. It could, I, I love that. And the libraries are really all about that too, you know, really making sure that their collections are represent the community and are diverse and inclusive. Yeah, so that everyone knows. Because as a librarian, aren't you really involved in, I guess, the freedom of information movement, making sure that everyone has access to as much as is out there? Yeah, definitely. You know, so just now, but there's a kid's book with a little girl on the cover that has this big curly, uh, like loose curls hair, and it's I Am Enough on the cover. And I, a full grown woman, saw that in the store and almost cried. I'm like, you're right, we are. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so powerful, the message. that The book, The Most Perfect Me, was about a little girl who, by the time she was three, she was telling her mom, like, mom, I wish, like, my, I wish my skin was white. She's like, whoa, hold up. Like, did my three-year-old just say that? Like, how do I have this conversation with a three-year-old right now? And, yeah. and that's where the idea kind of came of her book. It wasn't until, like, 18 years later that the book came, but she went back to that moment. And just it reminded her, like, of how important it is her daughter knew that she loved her and that she was perfect mm -hmm. and that everything about her was because of her and that she wanted that for her you know she chose her hair color she chose her eye color she chose her and and now her daughter is like five she's really tall she's like almost six foot she has like size 10 feet and she's like you know nobody would think she's perfect she's tall she's got big feet and she's like but she is beautiful she's perfect and she goes on and on and on and her daughter is like going on to college I think she just started and she's like this awesome person and just accomplished so much and it's a lot because her mom was such a and it sounds like she was raised in a home that was really empowered her and was there for her and then now to know she's creating a, a story about that and it's so perfect for every other kid to be able to read and see that and as I was reading it to my son I'm like yeah, so, you know, we talked about it and we had a conversation. It leads to so much more when you take the time to, to talk about the story that you just read. And, and they did, well, otherwise, you just maybe would have never even had that conversation if you didn't read the book about it. Those opportunities are priceless to be able to get into their head because you can sort of guess as many things as you want about your kid or another person, but having those conversations or at least the opportunity to is, you'll learn so much more. <laughs> yeah, and just... Being able to, I, I, in a lot of ways, you know, reading those stories, it gives you an opportunity to even know as a parent, like, how to talk about it, because sometimes it can be a little challenging, like, 
just knowing what words, you know, that you say the right words. And I mean, even now I'll catch myself saying something and I'm like, I didn't want to say it like that or I, I didn't mean it that way. I mean, I think that's totally normal just to have to learn as an adult. What are the ways, how do you have those conversations? I'm constantly Googling like, how should I teach, you know, what's the best way? You know, I don't go to the first post on Google. I, I make sure I, I find a good resource and, you know, maybe a, a social worker or a counselor or somebody with a background in child development. and, yeah. and A make, librarian doing yeah. research. I would love to be by your side <laughs> as you do that. Yeah, like it, because you can get advice from just parents and they have good advice. It makes me think there was just a story of this mom who was talking about her daughter who was sick and she's like, man, I feel like I waited so, like she's like my, my motherly instincts, like they just, intuition, I, I feel like I should have known my kid was sick and got him to the hospital sooner. And I feel like there's a really big movement around like trusting your instincts and your intuition as a parent, which is so important. And I, I believe we have that 100%. But then I also feel like there's this other side that's like we're putting so much emphasis on thinking that it's intuition or we know what's best. And it's like, but do we? You know, sometimes like we don't. We're human. You you have to rely on the experts and, and doing your own research to find answers to those questions. I told her, I'm like, I believe, you know, intuitions are really amazing thing and, and, are, and are true. But I was like, I also believe you're a mom. Like, we're human. We're, mm-hmm. we, we don't know all the answers. Like, you did great. You would have done what, you know, any mom would have done. She was like, thank you. I'm like you're welcome because it's true like yeah. don't forget you're human we don't we don't know miracles we can't always we don't always know what, how sick our kids really are yeah you're totally right about that superhuman attribute being assigned to parents that you can see everything predict everything know everything but that's so much pressure on a human like once you see your parents as human instead of a superhero you get a more fun relationship with that human so yeah so she's right for not uh going overboard her kids are gonna make her for it later exactly <laughs> well this is going just amazing hasn't it i think we're, so. we're talking I about things we weren't even thinking about talking about I kind of thought that was going to happen because I'm like, I'm, I don't know. I need to talk about art. I need to, I don't know enough about art, but I want to like just talking with you guys. And I've always actually been really interested. Like I love art. I just don't feel like I'm an artist myself. Like I love the idea of like when I see somebody paint or this, and that I'm like, Oh, I, I just could get so into that. And then I go and I do it and it's like, Ew, what did, what did I just create? Like that just didn't look good. And I know, you know, it's an art and it takes time and practice. And I think it would be so fun to just explore that and, and see where kind of could take me. It's hard to imagine that I could, I feel like when I think about art, I'm like, you're just, you're either an artist, like you're natural at it, right? Like it just kind of comes. But it's not, so. huh? I don't think, I think a lot of art is just poking around and finding what you want to customize or what extra you can do with this medium that's been handed to you or that you just found out about. And even in hearing your story about what you do here at the library, I'm like, she's totally an artist. You're talking about crickets, you're talking about 3D yes. printers and pens. I'm like, you have an eye for the way that you like teaching people or examples that you can give and things that you do. I bet that you are secretly an artist. 
I probably am. And I should just explore it more because it is. It's so fun. We're, you said you were remodeling your house right now, right? And for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah, that's out well, That goes on forever. We're, we are. We're doing a major renovation on our home. We got it in March, and we haven't actually fully moved in because tearing out the flooring, we're painting the walls, we're doing all that. But it's just been so fun to pick out the different colors, you know, and, like, envision, like, how you want this space to fill when you walk into it. And, <laughs> and I feel like that's what we're creating, and it's... It's so fun. And, and you just said the key word there, what you're creating. It's creativity. Yeah. So I'd like to say we're an art podcast, but it's creativity. Mm-hmm. And actually, Rochelle, she says her favorite word is creative. I like that. So, I love and that. And that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing here at the library. Yeah. yeah you're, you you're, you're, you're creating a welcoming place where people can learn. Mm-hmm. Even old people like me. And yes. creating a hunger in the community to go find out Ooh, what these things are. Good point. <laughs> yeah, come in. I feel like I haven't, I don't know if I've ever seen you in. So it would be awesome to have you come, like, attend one of our classes. Or just come enjoy the makerspace, do some of your, and I need to stop by and see what you guys are working on and creating and up to. I find myself, like, between work and and having a family, it just kind of, it's like when I'm done with work, I'm just kind of home with them. But like I'm here so much that sometimes it's hard to just go explore and be like a tourist in my own community and go on adventures. You just need to retire like me and then that's all you have to do. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Right, because here I'm, I'm not an artist and what am I doing? I'm co-hosting an art podcast. Then it really doesn't feel like work, huh? <laughs> or does it? Okay, I don't know. Yeah, wait till I have to edit this. <laughs> then it's work. You're gonna have a lot of editing to do. Who knows? <laughs> Okay, last question. You got anything? I do want to know, uh, do you have a favorite book? I know, right? As a librarian, I'm like, you would think I would have one just at the top of my list. Or what are you reading right now? (laughs) Let's talk. I'm more into like professional development type self-help books. That's kind of what I enjoy the most. And I I don't really read as much as, you know, you would think. Like, it's not something I, I do all the time, and I never have been much of a reader. I really am that, li- that library of the future, like, focused on, like, the technology and the aspects that aren't so much related to what you would think of as a traditional library, a traditional librarian. I don't know. I, I just, I guess I don't have a really great answer for that one, and I always know it's coming because <laughs> I just yeah. let you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. It's. It's something that, you know, I've actually don't think I've ever been asked that. And as for as long as I've worked at a library, I'm like, I know somebody's going to ask me that at some point. Took smarty pants. Yeah, exactly. I still love your answer because you're, I'm thinking like audiobooks. She probably listens to audiobooks. <laughs> I do like audiobooks. They do come in handy. And I used to listen to them a lot more when I... But now it's like every time I get in the car, I'm calling my sister who moved to San Francisco because I'm like, hey, it's our chance to talk. What's up? I'm oh, like, fill me in. You know, so. And I podcast. That's the other thing oh, I've been see, listening to a lot. Oh, I was going to be there, podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plenty yeah. of iBooks. <laughs> yeah, the Very Well podcast. I really like that run right now. It's just got so much about me- mental health and I feel like I have like a little counseling session with my podcast on my home, way home from work. I love that. I love you how know? in tune you are with that. I kind of want to like sit down over coffee and talk about mental health sometime. You have a lot of uh, resources that you listen to on the subject. 
Yeah, mental health has been a really important thing for me. Mental health has been something that I feel feel like there's so much um, stigmatism around it and it's starting to kind of go away. I've never been to a counselor and I'm like, I need to go to a counselor. Not because of anything crazy, but just because I'm like, everybody should, you know, it's a great thing to do and be a part of. But just being able to listen to podcasts and and books and read about it and like the self-help and the mental health has been so important for me. I'm like, this has been helpful. I mean, without even going to a counselor, I kind of feel like I'm getting counseling help. What a responsible way to live. Like, I'm so comforted that you're in my community because I want more people like that around me. I would love to see the, where the library can kind of go with providing more help around mental health and especially for the youth and after the pandemic and the closure. I mean, there's a lot of changes that have happened for everybody. So trying to figure out where what the needs are again and and what they need. And I think that's a huge part of it. And it's just a matter of like figuring it out. How can the library really fit in that space? Because it's like you can't really be a counselor. You're not certified. You get people coming in and they want to talk to you or they're telling you different things. I mean, you can't really give advice. You can give recommendations on books or, or you know, res- other resources that they could check out and, and stuff like that. But I think that would be the next step. Social workers and, and things like that in the library, you see them now. They're, they're coming. And so I hope that we see that at some point in Mesquite. Yeah. And with or without certification, you don't have to have a piece of paper to have empathy. So that's exactly. awesome that you are interested in that. And we were my branch manager and I, we were just talking about that. It's like, who says, like, you know, we can't just have these conversations. Like, it's just a conversation, you know, getting to know people and talking and, and talking about what is empathy, you know, what what is, you know, what is this feeling? It's not telling anybody what they should or shouldn't do, but just talking about it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong, you know, with that. So, I'd so, love. so it's not so jarring when you tell someone, yeah, my day's not great. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and, then, and then a kind word of support is free. Mm-hmm. It's free to give and it goes a long way. Yeah, just having a friend, you know, I ha- I've had different friends throughout my life who've gone through different things and I'm always like, what should I say? They, they said this, what should I say? You know, and going and finding like a good article that talks about like, okay, this is how you should handle this. This is what you should say. And that has been so helpful because I follow those things to a T because I'm like, I know when you don't say the right thing to somebody who's going through a hard time, what that, what that could do for them or what the outcome could be. So I've had like such a passion around like mental health and, and just understanding more about it and making sure, you know, I'm more prepared to have those type of conversations when they come up. That's incredible. But that's the last the last question we ask all of our guests is what has inspired you this week? Well, you know, September 1st. Today, what has inspired me today? <laughs> there are so many different things that have inspired me, but just having a supportive um, supportive group around me. I have realized that there are so many people in my corner that are just cheering me on and want the best for me. And I have, I do have people that maybe I went through a little bit of a hard time this last month and I don't necessarily think they gave me great advice or helped me move forward. But then I had like a whole army of people behind me that have just been like, you got this, like you can do, giving me so much good advice, so many encouraging words. And it's just like so inspiring to keep going forward because I'm like, I do got this, you know, I, I, 
I don't know where my life's going to go and I don't know which direction and, and what's going to happen then in the next little bit or in the next year. But I know there's some good changes and some, some positive things coming for me. And so it's been really inspiring just to be thinking in that space. So yeah, I guess that would be it. It's just knowing that I have such an amazing support team around me and a great group of my family and friends and coworkers that care about me. I love that. Vanessa, I, I really appreciate you. This has been a, a wonderful podcast. Okay. And I, I think we can agree that Vanessa's a rock star. Oh, yeah. In the overall community. <laughs> you not guys just, are rock stars. Not, this has been way fun. Not just at the library. Vanessa's a rock star for our community. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. That was a lot of fun. That was really sweet meeting her. Was that? She, she's amazing. And... You know, and we've talked about this even in the podcast that, in my mind, you're much younger than me. It, the library is where you go get a book. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't bring it back in time, you got to pay a fine. And, and that's true, but I've, all, like, I've sort of seen the library as being like the parent's office that you go into. And it's got the printer and the office supplies. And, you know, as times go, mom's office is just cooler than it was 20 years ago. She's got updated materials. She's got cooler machines. Yeah, a 3D printer. Who would think about that? Yeah, that is really fun to hear that anybody can come down here and learn how to use a 3D printer and not stay at home for hours figuring it out on their own. Yeah. So I would say, wow, this was wonderful. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, and thank you very much for sitting in for Rochelle today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here as a sub. So you're great. Let me ask you this. What has inspired you this week? What has inspired me this week, there is a YouTuber I've been watching slash listening to. She sort of does these video essays in a podcast-like format, but it's one person talking. Um, She's an author, she writes poetry, but she also does these talk-throughs of advice that she wishes she knew in her 20s. And as I'm firmly in the end of my 20s, I'm loving hearing her talk about Uh, whether it's taxes or moving or things that she thought that she knew about school going into her 20s that she definitely knows about the schooling system in her 30s or she'll clear out her wardrobe and closet and sort of talk as she's doing so so as i've listened to her talk as i've watched her clearing out all of her clothes i'm like that's so easy i could clear out my closet tomorrow so now i'm hemming all my curtains clearing out my closet cataloging my clothes sewing new clothes to wear for the Uh, fall season like I'm just listening to her talk about uh, decoding life and it's getting me excited to live life well that's neat isn't it Mm -hmm. and it's just her podcast is about simple everyday things yeah yeah it could be uh, lies that you're told about the housing market going into your 20s or lies that you believed about relationships in your 20s or um, she'll just break it down into what the myth is what she's learned so far she always tries to throw in this fact that i'm not the end-all be-all advice but this is what i've learned and if this is something that you can pick up and carry along and learn something great if it sounds like a pile of rubbish to you because she lives in london um if this sounds like a pile of rubbish to you then figure out what you don't agree with and let's move on life together uh so she really is talking and coaching through these random thoughts and ideas that she's had driving her in the shower and shares it with us and I like how it gets my gears going even without a conversation with another person. Now you said something that you said random thoughts she has in the shower. 
<laughs> yeah, that's where I do most of my thinking. Uh, you too, huh? Yeah. Because I, I thought maybe I was just weird. The shower and then walking. If I'm walking, I, I used to when I would I would walk at night after a stressful job, and I'm walking around. I think of something. I would get on my cell phone and I would call my voicemail at work and leave my idea because I know I'd forget it. Uh huh. But the shower is funny. Yeah, shower, driving, walking, I can definitely relate with. I don't know if everyone does this, but something that I've missed that I didn't realize I missed until I moved to Mesquite is when I'm walking long distances. I didn't walk places as much in Utah. Things are just so spread out. In Mesquite, it allows for it. And when I lived in California, I just didn't have a car as a teenager. So walking long distances, if I know that the path is clear, I know that I'm safe, I'll close my eyes and just look up at the sun. So I'm not seeing anything except for like a big blur of orange. Just none of my senses are really doing anything other than walking and taking in the sounds. And so I'm visualizing something completely different than like the light pool in front of me or, I mean, I'm usually alone while I'm doing it, but I'm picturing things other than cars. I'm picturing the construction worker three streets over. I'm picturing like the bird that's so high up I would have never been able to see it. Or the cicadas. I love the cicadas in this area. Are they here? Yeah, yeah, you can hear it. They sound like broken electrical lines. They're just Because okay. I miss them from Maryland. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah, they're so crazy sounding. It, it's almost, uh, if it's not a sound you enjoy, it could be kind of ominous, like a horror film, like Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, where you just hear it getting louder and louder um, as you get closer. But that's honestly one of my favorite things about it. I'm like, all of these insects are singing to me. That's great. I'm glad you brought that up. I love cicadas. I don't think they bite either. So they're beautiful to look at and listen to, but they don't really interact with people very much. Except our ears and our senses. Yeah. Yeah, which again, depending on how much you love cicadas or not, could be horrific or music. You totally changed, because you're going to ask me in a second here, mm -hmm. of what's inspired me this week. Forget now what I was even going to tell you. But because you bought it cicadas, I'll talk about I have been camping up in Great Basin National Park, and the other night, the crickets. And I went to sleep to the sound of the crickets. I didn't even put a podcast on when I went to sleep, because mm -hmm. I went to sleep to the sound of the crickets. Yeah, there's your soundscape. Yeah, there we are. I love that about camping. It puts you, like, I don't know if you use a tent or anything, but no. it puts your soundscape that you would otherwise open on your phone right next to your head. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, don't don't camp in tents unless it's going to rain because I want to look up at the night sky. That is a really good point. And I love some of the uh, uh, asteroid belt um, night pictures that you're able to get a hold of. Oh, Your you. eye is great when it comes to those. No, I don't have an eye. I set the camera up and go to sleep. No, really? <laughs> yes, that's what it does. Oh, your idea of angles and clear frames is working for you. <laughs> Although the other night I set it up, my... The last night up there, I was going to take uh, Milky Way, and I have this small lens, so it really gets close to the Milky Way. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I'm going to get up at 10 o'clock, and I'm going to go over there. And it was cold at 10 o'clock. I got up at 10 o'clock. I'm going to go over there and take a couple pictures and make sure it's working. And then I could see, the, so I got up at 10 o'clock, and I could see the camera working because the little green light would be taking the pictures because I had it on automatic. Okay. I got up the next morning and went over there. I had the lens cap on. No! Oh, that's the worst feeling. Yeah, so it took, I think, 580 pictures of nothing. Black. Oh, man. 
And I know that feeling when you as the artist did that to yourself. You can't blame a team. You can't blame another person. And you know exactly what it oftentimes even on your checklist in my head and comparing it to sewing and being out of bobbin thread for like a good couple feet like what have i done to myself i even took the pins out <laughs> okay so we went from inspiration to horror mm-hmm. rachel thanks again for being here what a blast we had today thank you so much for having me this has been so much fun i've never been on a podcast before yeah. and your first day you're running a podcast <laughs> yeah i've never been an interviewee but i can say i've interviewed Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, visit us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com.